It is good to have each of you with us today. Uh, let me get this slid over and into place. All righty. Well, it's uh, again uh, good to have you uh, with us for worship this morning. Um, uh, Pastor Josh is uh, part of a, a small camp meeting uh, event down in Kentucky. And so uh, he is ending up that today, and so we continue to pray for his time uh, down there, and, uh, and he should be back uh, uh, probably tomorrow or Tuesday. And so uh, just may God uh, bless that time of, of his word being shared and also uh, the fellowship that they have. And so uh, let's, uh, I want to begin with uh, telling you a story that I read about. Uh, there was a story about a, a very large woman who attended a banquet, and, and, and she just absolutely gorged herself uh, during, uh, during the buffet, and afterwards she just felt very, very guilty about what she had done, and so she turned to her husband and said, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I, I always eat too much. I look like a big, big elephant. And so the, the husband, uh, he tried to be kind, uh, and he replied, oh, honey, oh, honey, you're not like an elephant. You're like a mouse. And she, really? She asked, knowing that it really wasn't true, but she wanted to push back for a compliment. Mouse, right? Well, really, uh, yeah, she knew that it wasn't true, but uh, he said, oh, well, no, um, he, you're not like a little house mouse. Um, well, well, then what kind of, of am, am I a field mouse? Uh, and, and so uh, is that what you mean, darling? And so uh, now he's kind of red in the face, and, and he says, well, no, not exactly. Well, then what kind of mouse are you thinking about then? Well, kind of like a hippopotamouse. Yeah, it's a bad dad joke, I know. But, but unfortunately, uh, many, uh, many churches have a lot of hippopotamouse Christians in it. People who are being fed continually, uh, they're, they, they're coming Sunday after Sunday, they're going to growth groups, they're taking advantage of what the church has to offer in terms of spiritual feeding and fellowship, but they never exercise their gift in service. Uh, a well-known uh, pastor, John MacArthur, uh, he said it this way. Why do we have so many uh, couch potato Christians? Why do we have so many with the, the, the consumer attitude of what's in it for me? Because they have never grasped that the church has not, uh, was not established for them, but is them. You see, uh, the, the Christian, uh, the church of, of Jesus Christ was never meant to be a corporation or a service club uh, or an organization. It was founded by Jesus Christ uh, to be a living organism. In fact, uh, the main metaphor in the New Testament is the body. Uh, and just like in a human body, each, each member must be an active and effective part of the organism so that it can can work healthily. Um, the same is true for the church. Uh, we are all to do works of service. Ephesians says to build up the church, the body of Christ. 
uh, be mature in the Lord. But how do we help each other to do that? So that the body of Christ may be built up and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. How do we help each other to do that? Well, here at First Church, um, in our mission statement, it says, First Church exists uh, to know God, to belong, live with purpose, and to spread God's love. This morning, I want to challenge you to live with purpose. And so to do that, uh, I need to say that four-letter word that you hear a lot during the Christmas season, gift. Um, there's gift giving. Uh, there's gift receiving, gift wrapped, gift list, gift cards, gift certificates. But this morning, I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts. Uh, God is the giver, and, and every believer has at least one gift, gift to be used uh, for the church. And so here at First Church, we want to encourage you to serve the Lord within the church. Um, we provide opportunities for ministry, and, and by guiding each member in the use of, of those abilities, those gifts. And so the church is here to help you discover, develop, and use your gift to the glory of God and the benefit of the church. This text from Ephesians gives us a design uh, on, of how that's supposed to happen. And so the Apostle Paul begins uh, his discussion uh, of this topic in the first part of Ephesians of chapter 4. And he discusses the unity of the church and the seven ones uh, in verses 5 and 6. And it says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all, and living through all. We are to be unified, a unified people who assist in the unity of Christ. In verses 7 and 8 it says, He has given each one of us a special gift, and the NIV calls it grace, uh, through the glorious, uh, the, the generosity of Christ. And so the Greek word that Paul uses here, uh, it actually means a, a special endowment of service. And so what are the gifts that he has given to the church? Well, he's given leaders as seen in verse 11. And it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles and the prophets. And let me stop there. The term uh, apostle literally means one cent, uh, but the apostle referred here uh, in the context of, of the church, are the founding fathers of the church, the men who, spe uh, specific, who were chosen specifically by Christ who laid the foundation of the church. In order to be an apostle, uh, you had to comply with the qualifications given in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, and it says, Be with the Lord Jesus from the time of his baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from the earth and a witness to his resurrection. And then in Ephesians 20 uh, tells us that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And so the prophets mentioned here are also thought to be a part of the original foundation, inspired men and women who were used in the process of revelation. 
And so many scholars believe that these, these two, first two leader positions uh, were not to be replaced once the original apostles and prophets had died. Uh, the passage also says that, that Christ gave to the church evangelists, uh, pastors, or shepherds and teachers. And so evangelists, they are uh, to announce the good news of Jesus Christ like Timothy, who was told by Paul to do the good work of an evangelist, building on the foundation already laid and, and leading people to Christ. The word pastor or shepherd means to carry to care by protecting the flock, protecting the church from false doctrine. And then there was teachers. Teachers are, are to instruct and explain the word of God. And so I believe Paul is referring uh, to those who have uh, specific responsibility of training the people of God. Now, this is not an exhaustive list uh, of what Paul is saying, that Christ has given gifts to the church, uh, and it's the church a church's responsibility to equip God's people. So, the purpose of these leaders is clear. Uh, they are to prepare and equip God's people. That's why we can't be a staff-driven church in the sen sense that, you know, we hire, hire ministers to do all the work. Uh, we should never hire anyone on staff to do what we should all be sharing in. The staff's main purpose is not to do it, but to prepare or equip the members of the church. Now, does that mean that we should never uh, lift a hand in service? Of course not. Uh, but I have seen ministers just stand around and be that sanctified supervisor, and it doesn't look pretty. Well, we, we, should, ser we should be serving in the areas of our giftedness, too. Uh, but this passage does give us a, per, a particular priority of purpose, and that is to be preparers or equippers. Now, that's a lot different than, than how many churches operate. Instead of hiring equippers, they take on hirelings, the hireling thinking. We've now got a person that can do this job. Well, that may be a way the corpor a corporation or the world of business thinks, but it's not to be the way of the body of Christ. We are to hire people to help us do the job of the church. That means they may not personally execute the ministry, but they are responsible for its completion. So what I'm trying to say is they, they don't do everything, but through training, instruction, and delegation, see that the areas of ministry and service are being covered. And, and Pastor Mindy has worked hard uh, and diligently to do this in children's ministry, to change that attitude of culture. If you come from a small church or, or a background uh, that you have the mindset that the pastor is to do all the work, then you may have to start to think differently. As pastors, we can't be everyone's personal chaplain. Uh, we're here to help nurture you so that you can grow on your own. In a church our size, with, with all the needs uh, that needs to be done, it's difficult to keep you know, sermons and lessons uh, and all the prep where it needs to be and also handle all the administration needs of the church and the personal needs of individual members. But our staff is here to help you grow. Uh, we, we, know that, we know this because leaders are given uh, the plan of action in verse 12. 
when it says, their responsibility is to prepare or equip God's people to do what? His work. Uh, that is the purpose of every member of this congregation, to use their gifts to serve and to build up the church, the body of Christ. But how? When everyone is doing their part, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are less vulnerable to false teaching in verse 14. Then we will no longer be around by every wind of new teaching. No, um, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And in verse 15, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of the body, the church. And so the whole body is more effective, as it says in verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so uh, that's why it's incredibly important that the church help you find your spiritual gift and use it uh, to, to the benefit of the body. God has given each of you at least one special ability for use for his purpose. And it's our responsibility as a church to help you unwrap that spiritual gift. And so why is it important to know my spiritual gift? Because God gave me one if I'm a Christian. Why is it important to know your spiritual gift? Well, here's three reasons. One, my gift shows God's show God's plan for my life. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God in all of them. And so a, a gift in this sense are God-giving believer capabilities. They are different than natural talents in that they are given to you by God at the same time that you came into a savoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, there are a number of, of, of gifts listed in Scripture, and I know I don't have enough time to go all through those today, but let me break them down into two, two uh, major uh, categories. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 12, uh, there's a list of the supernatural gifts. And then in Romans 6, uh, 12, 6 to 8, uh, there are gifts that everyone receives that we call the, the service gifts. And so they can be broken down into seven basic categories. There's the gift of prophesying or preaching. There's the gift of serving, uh, doing, uh, you know, many behind-the-scenes tasks uh, that are needed. And then there's the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, which is called encouraging, uh, in the NIV, uh, and it has to do with, you know, it has to do with shepherding. And then there's the gift of contributing uh, to the needs of others or giving. Then there's the gift of leadership or administration. And then lastly, the gift of mercy. And so your spiritual gifts determine how God wants you to serve him. 
once you understand what your personal gift is, it helps answer a lot of other questions like one, what's God's will for my life? Two, what should be my ministry? And third, where should I focus all of my energies? And so every Christian is called to serve the cause of Christ by the spiritual gift shows, but the spiritual gift shows how particularly you are to serve him. And so if you're gifted in organizing, then God wants you to be an organizer. If you are gifted in teaching, then you ought to be a teacher. If you're gifted in reaching non-Christians, then maybe you should be an evangelist. Whatever you're gifted in, uh, it determines how you're to use your life for God. Other areas to consider uh, looking at are your heart's desires, your own natural abilities, your personality type, and your life experience. They all can, can come together to help you understand what God has given to you. It will help you to find your ministry and how you fit in to a particular church. I encourage you to take um, a, a class that we, uh, we offer here at First Church called Next Steps. And during that class, um, you'll discover your gifts and you can begin serving in a ministry that is, is suited just for you. If, if all of us are gifted in administration, uh, we'd have a great organization and we'd have uh, things coordinated well, but we would probably overlook people's needs. On the other hand, if, if we all have the gift of mercy giving, uh, we'd be extremely compassionate, but no one has, knows how to get anything done effectively. And so that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, there, uh, though it is made up of many parts, and although all of its parts are many, they form one body. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. And so uh, maybe this illustration will help, help you out. Imagine that you're at a dinner party uh, and your you know, linen tablecloths, beautiful silverware is put on the table, uh, great atmosphere, friendly people, uh, you know, great food. Um, and at the end of dinner, the host uh, comes in with a tray of desserts and then she drops the desserts all over the floor. And so... Here's how, uh, you know, I, that would be a tragedy for me, especially it was my favorite dessert. Um, but, um, but, but here's how different people with different giftedness might respond uh, to that situation. The person who has the gift of mercy, they might say, well, don't feel bad. I should have offered, my, offered to help you. Or the person of truth or, or prophecy or pre, uh, a preacher, they might say that, well, what happens when you're, that's what happens when you're not careful. Or, or maybe uh, you have the gift of serving and you might say, well, here, let me help you clean that up. Or maybe you have the gift of teaching. Well, the reason the plate fell was because you had all, all of that loaded onto one side of the tray. Or maybe you're uh, the person who has the gift of encouraging. You know, that could happen to anyone. You'll do better next time, right? Or maybe you have the gift of giving. Oh, don't worry about this. Let's just all go to Dairy Queen and, and I'll buy it my treat. Or maybe you have the gift of administration. Okay, folks, let's clean this up. Um, 
You know, Jim, uh, you get the mop, Sue, you pick it up, and hey, hey, Mary, can you go to the kitchen and help me make uh, more desserts? You see, our differences equal unity. That's the way it's supposed to work in the church. And my gift shows God's plan in my life. He knew from the beginning how he wanted me to, uh, me to be used. My gifts show my worth in God's sight. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you form the one body of Christ and each one is separate and a necessary part of it. Necessary. You're needed. You're important. There are no little people. All the gifts are needed. You are, are just as important in the body as I am. Every gift is needed. And so my gift is, is the power God gives me to bless, bless others in a certain way. God gives you a spiritual gift to bless, bless others too. But if you don't use your giftedness, others get cheated. If I don't use my gift, you get cheated. If you don't use your gift, I get cheated, and so does everybody else. God designed you to make a unique contribution. You're not, a, uh, you're not gifted by accident. Without your gift, we would not be complete. Uh, it would be like a jigsaw puzzle missing a part. It shows that you're worthy, that you're valuable, that you're needed in the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, you're needed. Do you know what happens when you discover and use your gift? Not only is the body helped, but you find fulfillment and joy. Uh, the word gift uh, and the word joy come from the same Greek word. And so you find real joy by being what God meant you to be. Uh, the Bible teaches us uh, that, uh, that spiritual gifts, although they are meant to help each other, also give us uh, a tremendous personal satisfaction. And so the, the church is, is made more effective when I use my gift. If I'm missing out on something good by not using it, then the natural question is this. What does God want me to do with my gifts? And there's three things that we can draw uh, as we close this morning. One is that he wants you to discover it. One of the marks of a Christian is that, that you have a desire to know your spiritual gift. In fact, Rick Warren says, if you have no desire at all to know your spiritual gifts, develop it and use it, you ought to doubt whether you're a true follower of Christ or not. And I tend to believe that. One of them, uh, one of the marks of a genuine follower of Christ is, is that they have a desire to serve God, and that begins by understanding how God wants them to serve him. And the good news is this. God wants you to know it because he wants you to use it. Uh, I encourage you to experiment with different kinds of ministries and different kinds of service. At First Church, we want you to find the area that is fulfilling and fulfills your self-worth, and you find uh, enjoyment, and it impacts the church. Second, you need to develop it once you've discovered it. 
Paul tells us in, in Timothy 1, 4, 14, don't neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. Uh, some of you are already, uh, you already know what your gifts are and what you're good at. Uh, you know how God gifted you, but, but you're not using it for the Lord. You're neglecting your spiritual gift. Why? I, I don't know. But what I do know is that Satan will do anything he can to keep you from discovering and developing your spiritual gift. He'll try to get you involved in all kinds of good things to keep you from the best so that you don't know that thrill of you being used by God. Paul tells us uh, in Timothy, uh, tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, fan into flame the gift God gave you. Keep it alive, strengthen it, deepen it, increase it, and cultivate it. Don't get discouraged. It takes time to develop your gift. It takes commitment. Just because you, uh, you find and use your gift doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, I, I may be gifted at organizing and, and, and even organizing events, but that doesn't mean it's a breeze to do. It takes effort. So don't give up. Develop it. And then obviously the third one is, is uh, God wants you to use it. Use your gift. First uh, Peter 4.10 says, Each one of you should use whatever spiritual gift he has received to serve God. Others, faithfully managing God's grace in its various forms. Use. It isn't, I mean, isn't that what Ephesians uh, 4.12 is all about? Uh, The Living Bible uh, paraphrases it this way. Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? It's so God's people will be equipped to better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. You see, that won't happen unless we make a commitment to use our gifts. In fact, the opposite will occur. The church will be hurt. Uh, Ephesians 4.16, the church, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so uh, we urge you to do that, so that the body is built up and so that you can give a good answer to God when he asks you how you used what he gave you. In Matthew 25, uh, there's an important story uh, called the parable of the talents, and and Jesus' bottom line for that story is this, that one day you're going to stand before God And the ultimate question uh, is going to be, what did you do with what I gave you? And that's the purpose of that story. What did you do with what I gave you? Folks, this is a very serious business. And one day there's going to be a final exam. And it's my heart desire as one of your pastors uh, is for you to be able to pass that exam with flying colors. But God has made an investment in you, and it's a sin to waste it. Now, there's a lot of people who fear death. Um, you know, and, but if you're a believer, you're going to heaven. And so you, instead of fearing death, maybe you ought to fear a wasted life. 
You know, God has shaped you for significance. What are you going to do about it? Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that, uh, that you would uh, encourage us to, to seek you out uh, and to, to know uh, the, the gift that you have given us so that we can better serve your church. Lord, we, uh, we love you. We thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus has given for us and how he served those around him. May we do the same. And Lord, may you receive the glory from it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. In, in just a, a moment, um, uh, I want to show you a, a, a video. And, um, and in that video, uh, some of our students, uh, IYC was canceled this year. And, uh, but we had a service project planned. And so we took uh, two, of our, two seniors and one, uh, and we, uh, we worked uh, uh, in, at this house. And, and so you're going to see uh, some of the work that we did uh, down there. And then I'll, I'll share a little bit more after that. But um, this is how some of our students and Susan and I uh, served others uh, down in Tampa. So take a look. And so um, that just gives you a highlight of some of, of the work we did. I, I know uh, it, it's, it's not as clear as I would like it to be. We didn't have as many pictures that we normally take. So I, I had plenty of pictures of Wade and I, but uh, the, 
I guess Susan and, and the girls decided that it was going to be a phone-free event, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so they didn't get pictures of a lot of what they did, but, but we did see some of the end results of, of, of their hard work. Um, one of the things that you need to know is that our service project was done uh, at, at, at a, the home of a retired pastor, uh, uh, Reverend John Williams and his wife, Tina, uh, who happened to be my grandfather. Uh, and uh, he is 96. Uh, and, and they both have health issues and are not able to, to do a lot. Grandpa spends about 95% of his time uh, in the bedroom. And, and as a result of uh, us, especially the girls, uh, emptying out that Florida room that's screened in and cleaning it out, um, he, uh, he has gotten up and out of bed. And so Tina has sent us several pictures of that. And so that's an encouragement uh, for me because... You know, it kind of breaks my heart to know that, that, that he's limited in what he can do and get out. And, and he came out and saw us more than he normally does. Uh, but uh, it was a huge blessing for him and for Tina. Uh, I don't know if you really caught that that water that was coming off the roof comes right down in front of the front door. And so we put up guttering up the front. Uh, and so now they can walk in from the rain and not have this river fall on top of them. And so they worked really hard uh, and, and they served well. And, uh, and one of the things that, that really was a God thing in all of uh, the serving was that uh, on one of our last days of, of cleaning up, we noticed there was this big tree. And I'm not kidding. It, it, it really probably was two trees that grew together. And it, it was probably this round. It probably took two or three people to, to go around the whole circumference of it. And we were cleaning up the brush. And, uh, and then I was like, boy, there's a lot of water here. I thought it was coming from the hose. And I look, and I just see water kind of bubbling up at the base trunk of the tree. I, you know, Susan thought it was something from the Old Testament, like God's providing us with water. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, but um, and so uh, they they did a call. We we realized that uh, that the, the water main uh, that goes to about five houses had broken, and that water main goes right beside and underneath uh, the roots of that tree. And so they called an arborist and to see can they dig around it? Can what can they do? And the arborist said it, it's it's amazing that this tree hasn't come down on the house. Uh, because the whole inside of this tree is rotten. And, uh, and he's, you know, it, the next big storm, it probably would come down. And so uh, the Lord brought that to their attention. And the city, because it was their problem, uh, it wasn't on their, their side of the, the water issue, they paid for the tree to come down and, and everything. And, and I am grateful because every year Susan and I go down and do work there and I don't have that tree to clean off the roof anymore. So uh, praise God for that. And so um, the reason I have these students up here with me is, is uh, again, they went with us and, and they served. And uh, would you say you found joy in serving? Uh, just real quick, in serving uh, down in, in Florida, uh, how, how did that make you feel? How did you interact with, with Grandpa and Tina? It was really good. You could definitely tell, like, Tina had the biggest smile on her face at the end of every day when we were, like, talking about what we did, and she would come and stand outside with us while we were working, and she, she just looked so happy, and Grandpa, too, he had the biggest smile on his face. Mm -hmm. How about you, Wade? 
for me, it was seeing the end result of what we did, like, especially that shed. When, we, when I opened the, the doors and looked inside of it for the first time, I was like, Doug, what are we getting ourselves into here? And then when we got it all said and done, looking at it, it's like, holy cow, we just did that. You can actually walk in. Uh, what we had found out is that uh, anything that was not treated wood was taken over by termites. And we had to put a new floor in and pitch stuff. And, and it, it was a huge blessing, not just to, to Grandpa and Tina, for years. And Grandpa couldn't do it. So, so thank you for that. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to, to do is, is have uh, some of these students share with you uh, a little bit uh, about um, uh, them serving and what they appreciate about the church. And so Maddie Whipple was a part of that. She could not be here today. Uh, she is celebrating with her family and her mom, who is celebrating one year of sobriety today. And so we want to we wanna say congratulations to her and, uh, and uh, just uh, pray that you continue on that journey of sobriety. And, uh, and so, but I did ha ask... Um, um, each of them some questions, and, uh, and so, Bri uh, not Brianna, but um, Maddie uh, answered those on a video, and so uh, here's the first question. It means family, support, church means love, Church also means unending love by meaning I can go to church it means family to just support church means spill love. out my heart and I can go to church to um, say how I feel and know that no matter what like anything the church and the people in the church will love me no matter what so I always feel comfortable with that and that really is what church means to me. And so, Grace, uh, I want you to answer the same question. What, what, what does the church mean to you? To me, church is so much more than just the building or wherever we are, like if we're having a picnic or whatever. It's so much more about the people, about Mr. Allen, Miss Betty, uh, Stephen Fair, Doug, Susan, all the people that raised me pretty much besides my family because I wouldn't be the person I am today without any of them. How about you, Wade? Basically the same thing as Gracie said. It's just a second family. Everybody here is so welcoming, kind, and it's just so great to see, you know, be back and see a lot of these people again because, you know, with th because of the church, I've been able to build such great relationships and friendships with the people here, so that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. uh, take a look at the second question I asked Maddie. I've served in the toddler room as a teacher. Um, I still serve in the toddler room as a teacher. It's definitely, it was it a step ahead of like me. And like, I never love. really like did service stuff for like anything. So serving in like toddler and also I serve on the worship team. I'm a singer. I haven't been up there in a while, but. <laughs> Um, I'm still part of the worship team, and I sing with them sometimes, and that's, I feel like that's a way of serving the church, too, so. Okay, so Gracie, um, so uh, where have you uh, served or are serving in the church? Currently, I'm not really serving in the church just because 
my life has been a little crazy lately, so I haven't been here that much. But I used to be on the praise team for a bit, and I've done kids church front with Scott before, and I've just kind of done a little bit of everything. Okay. And how about you, Wade? Um, I am one of three drummers on the worship team, and I have loved every minute of it. Um, I have a, such a passion for music, so any chance I can get up here, I just have such a blast. And then also with, um, I'll help out sometimes with mom and dad if they're uh, working and helping out with the uh, gathering grounds, so I help out there as well. Um, also, um, uh, well, let me, let's go to the next question. Let's let, go ahead and uh, let's uh, see what the next question is for Maddie. church has prepared me um, with guidance um, to serve others. Stephen, Debbie, uh, Susan, and Doug, the youth pastors, have it really been family, a, a lot of help for me for these past love. five years, six years I've been going to First Church. Um, also, Pastor Josh's sermons are very touching and very um, open-minded. Like, they make, they make you really open up inside of you and think about like things and teaches you how to be a leader and how to serve. So I always um, definitely listen to that. Sometimes I zone out, but most of the time I'm listening to it. Um, but yes, it's definitely uh, Stephen, Debbie and Susan and Doug. They are a very, very kind hearted people and they definitely have guided me and prepared me so yeah all right so Gracie how has the church prepared you to, to serve others whether it's in or outside of the church the church especially working in kids church with especially with the toddlers has definitely taught me that to serve you need a lot of patience and you need a very kind heart because things are not always going to go your way and because not everybody's going to cooperate how you want them to. This is true. <laughs> how about you, Wade? It's given me a sense of, like, dedication, so that way it helped me keep my focus on whatever the path is or whatever the light at the end of the tunnel is um, in the future. And just, um, it's really helped me be able to open up to people and just kind of, make those relationships and friendships. Mm. Uh, what are some things that you've done to serve outside of the church? Well, shameless plug here, if you look outside our lovely doors, you see a set of picnic tables and planters. Uh, those were part of my Eagle Scout project that I did a year ago. Um, so I, I'm an Eagle Scout with Troop 118 in Manchester, so I've been, I've been part of the scouting organization for almost 12 years. And I started in first grade, and then uh, I'm currently still working on the applications and trainings to go through to become an adult leader. So I still plan on helping out there. And so uh, that's been a big part of my life and how I've helped with service. I, I know that both of you uh, do well at serving your families, especially since both of you are the oldest, uh, in, uh, you know, helping uh, your grandparents out uh, a lot. And, uh, and so... Uh, I commend you for that. Um, I, I also noticed that, that Wade, you're, you also have a shameless plug here for the University of Toledo, 
uh, for your mask. So uh, that's where he's headed in the fall. But, um, but the reason I, I just wanted to then just briefly share with you a little bit about uh, uh, their thoughts on the church and, and about serving is that you have been a part of that. You have been a part of, of, of their nurturing and their encouragement. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for investing uh, in our children and in our students uh, because that's part of what it means to be the church. Uh, whether you are hands-on like Susan and I are uh, in student ministry or, or Mindy is with children or whether you're, uh, you're behind the scenes working or whether you're praying or you're providing resources or whatever it is that you're doing, uh, you are a part of their developing and maturing and becoming uh, adults that, that are going to serve God wherever God puts them. And, and so I need to say thank you to that, uh, for that. Um, during this time of COVID, uh, you've heard the phrase uh, when, when there was the, the big shutdown, uh, you heard the phrase essential workers, right? Well, I want to tell you that in the church, you are all essential workers. Uh, the church cannot be the church without each and every one of you. Uh, and so um, to be the church, we all need to, to be diligent in knowing our gifts, uh, developing our gifts, and being faithful uh, with using our gifts. And that's, what, that's my prayer for you today. And so when we're all in, we will become uh, the best church that we can possibly be. We'll become the church that God intended us to be. We all just need to be faithful to that. Uh, we have gone over our regular service time, so uh, we're going to close here with a word of prayer. But again, I, I, I just challenge you to step up and discover your gift, uh, grow in it, and use it. Uh, so let me pray for you uh, this week, and uh, we'll look forward to being together uh, next Sunday where we're, we're going to go back uh, to just one service at 1045. So won't you pray with me this morning? My Lord and my God, I give you thanks uh, for the Bible, for the Word of God that uh, guides us and teaches us and points us uh, to the truth about uh, who you are, but then who we are in Christ. And, uh, and so, Lord, help us to be faithful Christians, faithful believers in Christ that strive to understand uh, the purpose uh, and the gifts that you have given us, and Lord, that we would use them so that we can serve others, so that we can bless others. Help move our country uh, and our society away from being selfish, but help us to be selfless as we serve others. Help us to be the church that you have always intended us to be, and to do that, we need to become the individual people you have called us to be. And so, Lord, may we go from this place being a light in a dark world. And, Lord, again, we give you thanks for Jesus, for he has made all of this possible. Amen.